Hello and welcome back to MBA Mature by Accident. Shashwat Baxi and Gina Sasso here for another fun-filled educational episode of our joint podcast. Good evening, Gina. How are you? I am doing well. It's finally sunny in Connecticut, but it's windy. Um, it's an unseasonable spring here in Connecticut, um, but we're getting there. As long as the sun's shining, I'm doing well. How that's about great. you? Yeah, it's great. It's finally warm here as well. It's, we finally feel like it's May, which is good. Um, I think the you know, the only interesting part about living in this area is that, uh, and most people who participate in or follow the news know that uh, Chicago has a gun violence problem and Chicago land has a gun violence problem. And so warm weather always tends to bring out some of those characters, um, some of the people that we would prefer not to have to deal with. And I was just before we got on here reading about over the weekend, uh, more issues downtown uh, with gun violence. And so it's, of yeah. course, as as the pandemic sort of comes to a hopeful close and people start to get back to what we think of as normal, we're now back in what is normal, which is, you know, for Chicagoland folks, an unfortunate reality, which is having to deal with stories about gun violence in and around uh, city limits. So, you know, just yeah. one of those unfortunate uh, things. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, and I, unintended consequence i guess of yeah 100 yeah. <laughs> yeah it's yeah, cyclical absolutely. which is really unfortunate mm-hmm. yeah uh, luckily that's not what we're here to talk about today yes <laughs> we're not here to harp on gun violence in chicago but it's an it's a fact right it's out there <laughs> but today uh we have a couple of special guests on today to talk about social host laws i um sit on a on the board of steps along with the our two guests and we are, uh, we had an episode about a year ago, if people haven't caught that episode, with Megan Albanese and Gabe LeBlanc about what STEPS is, but it is the Southington town-wide effort to promote success. So it is our town-wide effort to kind of help prevention in our youth and how we can kind of prepare um, us as parents or our students to kind of get in this prevention mindset. So I would like to introduce attorney Paul Bedard and deputy chief Bill Palmieri to MBA Mature by Accident. Welcome. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Pleasure to be awesome. here. Awesome. Do you guys want to give your a little blip of who you are and why you're here and what we're here to talk about? Paul, you want to go first? Certainly. Thanks, Gina. Uh, I am a local attorney uh, here in Southington with, uh, with my own private practice. Uh, prior to serving on the STEPS board, uh, I served on the Y board and, and ultimately served as the president of, of that board. Uh, I not only grew up here uh, in Southington, but my two daughters are growing up here now in Southington. So, you know, for me, you know, the appeal of, of the Y and the STEPS was to try to align myself and just contribute uh, to, to organizations that were doing good things for the kids in our community. Um, you know, my, my practice also takes me a little bit into the town realm where I also serve as the assistant town attorney uh, for the town of Southington. So I try to stay active, try to stay, stay involved and uh, just happy to do my part here uh, as relates to uh, our STEPS efforts. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Bill, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Gina, for having me. Uh... My name is Bill Palmer. I am deputy chief of the Sunnington Police Department. I have been with uh, the Sunnington Police Department for the last 37 years. Uh, I am a lifelong resident of the town of Sunnington. Uh, I've coached football, baseball, basketball. I've been ingrained in the community. Um, I'm on the steps board. I'm currently the vice president. 
Um, and I'm here tonight uh, to kind of talk to you about making prevention a priority. I hope to be able to give everyone a, a menu that would cover some suggestions on how to deal with proms and graduations. Um, the youth is our future, um, and the best way to prepare for this is to have a plan. So that's what I hope to do tonight, and I really am thankful that you're allowing us to get our message out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of covers what we'd like to talk about today. So let's jump right in with kind of the definition of what social host laws are. Paul, do you want to give us some background about what social host laws are and why they're important? Absolutely. Uh, Connecticut in particular is a pretty uh, progressive jurisdiction, if you will. Uh, the laws in this regard have only uh, strengthened over time. And, you know, currently uh, the, the, the current law stems from a, a public act that was uh, passed back in uh, 2012. So what used to be uh, a law where, you know, you couldn't uh, knowingly provide alcohol to minors uh, in a social host setting uh, has expanded over the years where now, whether it's, it's knowingly done or whether it's done recklessly or with criminal negligence, uh, there's potential uh, legal liability there now. So in effect, these days, you don't even need to necessarily know, but if you should have known because you were reckless or negligent um, in a criminal sense, um, there's now the potential for, for liability. And when they talk about you know, underage drinking or, or providing drinking to a minor as relates to social host laws in Connecticut, you know, they're talking about anyone under 21. And, you know, what used to be uh, an infraction, and again, it had to be a situation where, you know, the homeowner or the person in control of the unit knew about it. Uh, now, uh, with or without knowledge, uh, it's actually a, a class A misdemeanor. So the, the penalties have stiffened, uh, the ramifications have, have certainly uh, become more severe. And, and again, it applies uh, in situations where uh, it's all about ownership or control. So you don't necessarily need to own the property where this is happening. Um, but if you're in control of it in, in any way, shape or form, uh, you know, there's potential liability there. Okay. So just to make sure, I think that we understand, it's fairly evident, I think, for people who uh, understand, but for the people who might not be there yet, right? Just to make sure that those few folks understand what we're talking about. If, if it's the case where you own the house um, and alcohol is potentially available to the kids that are home or are home yourself and think, oh, it's okay because people are staying over or renting an Airbnb under your name. or I mean, we're talking, there are multiple layers to this. It's not just a matter of, hey, I was home and I provided the alcohol to my kids because it's so I thought it was okay because they were staying the night. There are now significantly more opportunities where the adults in the situation, quote unquote adults in the situation, could be found responsible and liable for the actions, regardless of whether they are present or not. Absolutely. So, you know, for instance, to touch upon uh, the type of scenario that you, you just referenced, Josh, you know, it, it, for instance, if you were uh, to leave your home, let's say you've got uh, a parent at home and, and the parent or, or parents are going to go out to eat, right? But they know they've got uh, a teenager at home with a handful of that teenager's friends and they know that there's ready, ready and available access to alcohol at home and maybe even uh, a propensity to want to seek that alcohol. 
they, under those circumstances, should something bad happen now when they leave, uh, could very easily, and it's very much uh, driven by the circumstances and the context, but they could very easily be found culpable in that scenario because you left them at home with access to alcohol and you knew that this, this might happen. So yeah, it's, 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 it's much, it's much more dangerous now. And I think it's probably a healthy thing, of course, because hopefully parents that do understand this take greater precautions, right. In these scenarios and you avoid some of these scenarios, but yeah, it's no longer as cut, cut and dry as it used to be. So you said that um, some of the penalties are a misdemeanor, uh, but I think I read there's also fines associated with um, violating these social host laws. What other types of penalties could the parents in that situation um, receive or, or the children? What types of penalties in general happen um, when a social host law is broken? So if you look at uh, fines and penalties, right? So now that this is a, a class A misdemeanor, uh, you're looking at fines that can go up to $2,000. Uh, you're looking at the potential, you know, for jail time up to a year. And that's just standard for a, a class A misdemeanor. Now, this again is in a scenario where maybe you, you knew or you acted a bit recklessly or negligently. There are other scenarios uh, related to social host law, right? Where let's say you're actually the parent taking an affirmative action. Let's say you're, you're there and you're actually providing alcohol to minors. Well, that's a, that's a stepped up offense. That's a different offense. And at that point, you're looking at a classy felony. Um, now that might be the, the lightest of a felony, if you will, a classy, but it's a felony nonetheless. And at that point, when you talk about fines, you're looking at up to $3,500 in fines and again, potentially up to 18 months in prison. So uh, you know, the social host law, it, it covers kind of both those prongs, whether it was somewhat inadvertently, uh, you know, happening or, or again, more directly, uh, you know, giving alcohol to minors, which is even more severe. Uh, but I think the, um, the criminal implications, whether you're looking at, at fines or, or possible prison time are, are pretty, pretty steep these days. Yeah, I mean, a felony, that's a felony, right? I mean, it might be a lighter felony, but still, that's, that's a harsh offense. Absolutely. And, and even a misdemeanor, you know, I know a misdemeanor yeah. in some people's minds, you know, seems minor for lack of a better label. But I mean, a misdemeanor is a true criminal offense. If you're if you're convicted of a misdemeanor or a felony, you, you have a criminal record. It's 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 not uh, like an infraction or, 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 you know, a simple ticket, if you will. So uh, either way, you know, one more serious than the other. I, you know, either way, though, they're very serious offenses. Yeah, either way, it's a criminal record, something you would have to explain to somebody that you provided alcohol to a minor. I mean, all of these things are kind of ripple effects of, you know, just an event that could happen at your house where it, it could potentially be, have been avoided, right? So you, you kind of need to prepare yourself as a, as a parent to be able to kind of say, let's avoid these situations. These are the reasons why. Well, and that's just it, right? That's the silver lining here, Gina. You know, most of these situations can be avoided. And I, I know that Bill is going to touch on some good information in that regard. But yeah, much of this can be avoided, quite frankly, with, with some simple safeguards and some common sense. And I think the goal in educating people about this, particularly parents, is it, it's a bit of a, a wake-up call, if you will, uh, to just motivate them to take those simple steps to avoid the bulk of these potentially otherwise bad scenarios. So before we get to Bill, Paul, I feel like 
especially from my own personal experience, um, as somebody who's never drank alcohol in my life, right? It's very difficult sometimes for me to understand the, the desire for it, right? And so uh, to watch this happen, like people go into this, into this stage of the academic year, especially for juniors and seniors, prom, graduation, and you know, end of the year banquets, et cetera, et cetera, with the expectation that, hey, this is how we're gonna celebrate. Because this is how I celebrated, this is how I celebrate other things. My expectation is that this is what it's going to be. Um, so just from, a, from your perspective, is there anything like messaging wise to be able to explain to people that this is way more serious now than what we might've thought when Gina and I were growing up 20 years ago or when the two of you were growing up before that, like, it's like, hey, it's just a beer. And we are way beyond it's just a beer because as you both just mentioned, a felony is a felony. And we're, we need to get that message, I think, across because just a beer could potentially be the end of your, you know, your, your career, really, um, or your domestic life, depending on what you need your record for. Well, and that's exactly it, right? So, you know, having a misdemeanor on your record or having a felony on your record, to your point, it goes well beyond those criminal charges. It can impact your, your ability to, to keep your job. It can then impact your entire family's welfare and well-being. Uh, but ultimately, beyond the legal aspect, and you touched upon it, right? Because there's this assumption, if you will, that this is how we celebrate. This is what we do. Um, and, you know, a lot of that does come back to the parents and, and what example are we setting and what are we modeling at home? So again, that takes it beyond the legal realm, if you will. But I think first things first for parents is to realize, okay, just how serious of an issue is this? Um, you know, should it become a, a criminal matter? Should it happen? And then hopefully when you realize that, that might be a better motivator. I think you have to step back as a parent and say, well, what am I doing on a practical level that might be causing my child to think that this is, of course, how we need to celebrate, right? So I know that takes it far beyond, you know, the legal component, but a lot of it really does start at home. It really does. And I feel like that's a really great segue into the conversations that we could be having at home. So Bill, I know you kind of wanted to share some uh, some tips for parents and things um, of that nature to, to start these conversations, because these conversations are important. If we're going to start modeling behavior, it also needs to be coupled with these conversations with, with your children and expectations and all of the different things that kind of need to be laid to, for success. So, Bill, do you want to give us um, some some tips on on what parents can do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of the the process I'm going to use is I want everybody to remember that we all were graduating at one time. We all had proms. We also have to acknowledge that the way we were brought up, to Paul's point and even Sasha's point, um, things have changed. There's more influence on kids. Alcohol is more prevalent in the home and everything else. So we need to manage that. Um, but I also want to say that. When we walk through this, um, we're not ruling out consequences, but the, the message we're going to try and get across tonight is we need to have our children understand that we can be there for them. So if they're in a bad situation, priority number one is to get out of that bad situation. We can deal the next day or the day after with any type of consequences. Sometimes that gets lost in the message where people say, oh, you know, nobody wants to uh, have any accountability. But when your child is in trouble, accountability is the last thing, get them to a safe location first. So I kind of want to preface that and I'm going to go through 
some just some general statements, then talk about how parents can help each other, talk about uh, your teen's party, and then end with some safety tips. And actually, my son, Matthew, our, my youngest, he's graduating this year, so we're planning his party. He's going to the prom. He's going to go to all-night graduation, so I, you know, um, I'm living it right now. So um, from a parent perspective, I think we got to be prepared uh, for the graduation so, uh, season. Uh, graduation is no longer a one-day ceremony and a dinner party. It takes place throughout the whole month, which ends up with a nice graduation and everything else. So I think we have to be conscious of that. Um, I think we got to take a moment and you got to let your teen know uh, that home is a safe place. And even if they make a mistake, that they're going to be loved and accept, accepted. Because I think if a teen loses that, and, and I've learned over the years, you know, I can't act like a police officer. I get my, my kids are child children. They're going to make mistakes. You know, if they find themselves in a vulnerable situation, you want your teen to feel free to reach out to you. If they fear you're, you're going to judge them or lecture them right away, they will avoid the best resource they have. And that's a parent. You are the best resource for your child. You know, so with that, I talk about a 60 second rule, even when I talk to the kids in school. And I learned that later in my career where if something happens and I want to respond, I, I take a break, I pump the brakes, I think about it for 60 seconds. And generally, my response is a lot better than it would have been if I just kind of jumped into it. So I, I kind of coined that as a 60 second rule. Um, so, you know, how can parents help each other? So parents are, you know, talk about the social host law. Talk about the parties you're planning. Be on the same page that you're not going to allow alcohol. Because if, if our kids go into the same environment, most of the time, and I think we can take that away from when we grew up, most of our people, families and everything, we all thought alike. So there was really no big deviation. And we did that because they communicated a lot. You know, I, I go back to Sunday dinner where you had the whole family around the table and that was the time to talk. And when we got away from that, and I think that's only, that has only added to the struggles that the, the kids have today. Um, so parents talk to each other, talk about the parties. If you're all on the same page and you're, and you're sending a united message, it's going to be a lot easier for kids to understand that. So when you're looking to your, 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 uh, your teen's party, allow them to help plan it, um, ahead of time, make it fun without alcohol, take a firm stance and tell them no alcohol, no drinking at home, no alcohol on the property, go over that policy again with the family and friends. So they're all aware of it. And I think it's important, be home so you're on the, so they know you're there and maybe not being in the middle of the party, but be someplace, um, you know, have a process, check all the bags, make sure no one brings alcohol in. And if you get into a bad situation with underage drinking, have a plan on how you're going to report it. Because um, that's, that is, that is paramount. Um, but let your team be included in the, pl uh, the, the planning of the party. Um, the most important thing is really team safety. So if, if you assist your team in setting up what we call a sub safety plan, do this, don't be judgmental, let it be step by step and make them part of the process. Encourage them to think about the details that could happen and have a backup plan or what that backup plan might look like. Look like. You know, it's natural for them to want to celebrate. Uh, we want to assist them in balancing fun and celebration, you know, with safety and have plans. Uh, you know, talk to your teen, uh, you know, about not getting in a vehicle with anyone who's been drinking or in, is impaired. Let them know that you're willing to pick them up without any question or lecture if you need, if you, if they need you. Again, get them out of the situation. Consequences can happen the day after. 
um, encourage a buddy system. You know, you can't be there with them every moment, nor should you be. Um, you know, we all were, we all were in your teen situation. Uh, I was 18 years old. I understand what my, my son may be going through right now to a, a greater degree, you know, ask your, your teens to set up a, a system with a trusted friend uh, where they watch out for each other. Because, you know, if you're watching out for a friend and they're watching out for you, you're going to ensure both of your safety. Um, if you do have to pick up your, your teen, consider, a talk, consider talking about it the next day. Uh, many many times after a situation, a teen would be more open to a conversation tomorrow than they would right there. And again, that goes to the 60 second rule. You know, and again, this is just my opinion. It's a menu. Choose what you want to use. But if we don't react right away, I mean, the teen probably realizes already that they did something wrong. They don't need that to be reaffirmed. Tomorrow's another day. The fact that they're home and safe is a, is a home run ball. Um, right. And, and kind of getting them there to be home and safe is the main objective, right? So taking absolutely. a pause and pumping the brakes and having that conversation tomorrow is probably the best plan. And, and I actually believe that if you apply that, you are going to increase your relationship with your teenager. Because again, prom and graduation, the next step could be college. It could be a trade school. It could be going out into the working world where they're going to have a whole host of new challenges. So if you can improve that relationship, and again, the consequences is part of it, but when it's applied at the proper time, I think that's great. And then alternatively is this is something that we talk about at Steps all the time. You know, we call it a trusted adult. Um, if you think your teen might worry or be, be uncomfortable calling you as a parent, um, designate a family friend or a relative. Um, you know, I'm going to tell my son, Matthew, hey, if something happens when you're out, if you don't want to call dad because you figure dad's going to get all upset, call Uncle Louie. You know Uncle Louie's cell phone, let Uncle Louie grab you, bring you home, because the best, the, the, the priority one is getting your child home and out of that situation. Um, because again, priority one is we got to get them out of the bad situation. You know, I, I compare growing up a lot of times with teens to golf. It's like when I tee the ball off and I hit it in the woods. You know, I'm looking at what my next shot's going to be. And if I just chip out 90 degrees, I'm right in the fairway and I can have a nice shot into the green. But I try to go in between the trees and I hit a tree and now it's even worse than it was before. And I, I do it a little tongue in cheek, but that's what the kids are, are. If they understand that, like, hey, I'm in a bad situation. I don't want to make another bad decision. I want to have the ability to call mom or dad or aunt or uncle, a friend or whoever, because that is the most important thing. I mean especially prom safety and graduation safety. It comes down to communicating with your youth, trust your youth and have plans. And if you have that, you're going to have, a, they're going to have a good time. Uh, every single golfer that lives, that listens to this can empathize with that. Uh, <laughs> Bill, just so you know, we understand what that feels like. Let me ask you. So from your perspective as the deputy chief and a police officer for decades, what do you say to the person who says, in my house, I do what I want. And, and it's like, that's what it is, right? Like, it's just, if I'm going to have a party in my house, who are you to come in here and tell me what I can and can't do? Well, our, our response to that would be, you know, we're not going to tell you what we can and can't do. We're going to give you information and advice from years of data and research, because if you don't care, bad things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. and, and again, it goes back to the point where some parents think, oh, it's only a beer, it's only this, it's only that. But you know, information has shown that your kids will model you and then it can be progressively sure. worse. 
we're not trying to tell kids that they can't have a drink or they can't do this. We're, you're putting them into a situation with a lot of younger kids. If they if they have that bad uh, bad action or bad activities, it's only gonna it's only gonna compound because there's yeah. other young kids and bad things are gonna happen. And you know, and I think parents. You know, and we try to we try to get involved with the youth in our community at a young age because we want to be a resource. Like if we have to arrest somebody for a social host law, then we failed. Yeah. Because I think really, if we look at the facts, we all want our children to go out on prom night and graduation. We want them to have fun. We want but we want them home safely. Sure. And if something bad happens and the reality is you're going to have kids that are going to get killed on graduation. Yeah. Or or prom. And if you look at that, it would take one one plan, one safety measure to say, Hey, no, this is a bad situation. I got to, because this is all preventable. Sure. You know, right. it, and there's so many things that we prevent in our everyday life, you know, just like preparing, having a, a smoke detector or having a plan. Like this is just another plan that as a parent, you need to have, right. Because of the statistics that basically if one thing goes wrong, they need to have an out. It's very easy for some, for a kid. I mean, I can remember being a teenager and how easy it is to make a bad decision and then another one and then another one. And then you're in a situation you can't control. So giving those uh, them the opportunity to have an out is, is awesome. And to have that conversation up front and those ongoing conversations, I think like Bill said, it just is going to improve your relationship in general and allow you to set expectations for your young ones, for your teens. Um, going through all of these difficult situations in life. And I think we have to realize too, the kids are growing up a lot quicker than we did. And I, I remember like when, when my dad said something, you didn't, dad didn't explain why. Yes. But, but explaining <laughs> why is not a bad thing now. Mm. You know, yeah. people say, oh, you know, the, this generation asks all sorts of questions, but we should be celebrating that because they, yeah. they want to get information. They're like sponges. I think sometimes, you know, the older generation, like I'm a baby boomer, we get like, well, why do we have to explain it to you? Just do it. Well, they, they want to understand why they're doing something. And that's not a bad thing. And I think some sometimes parents need to take that step back and say, geez, you know, my child's asking me some for some information. I can explain to them, you know, why. And, and you can explain to a kid that, you know, you may give that child a beer. And then if that child goes out and gets killed or is crippled for life, that's going to have an effect on you, your ability to provide for your family. Um, you know, I can go back, you know, over my career where, you know, I had a, a traffic fatality involving alcohol with a young person who had a very, very good job. By the time we were done with the investigation, I had to make the arrest. The person lost his job and his life was completely turned upside down. Mm. And, and why? It was a bad decision to drive drunk. Sure. And it was a decision where if just somebody said, hey, you know, X, don't drive. I'll give you a ride home. We would be at a different, a completely different yeah. place. And I think parents lose sight of that, that it's, it, it's maybe just a beer, but that beer can ultimately change your child's life and your life and somebody else's life. So because I don't live in the state of Connecticut right now, I can ask this question. Do you want people to call Bill? If I know that my neighbor is having a big party and that alcohol is being served to minors, is Absolutely. that something you want us to call? I mean, is there a, a, there's a, I would assume there's a, a nonviolent tip line, right? Or a nonviolent phone number directly to the police department that they can call. So we're not calling 911 because somebody's getting served alcohol next door. Yep. Eight, you know, uh, 860-378-1600 is the regular general line. Um, 
you know, because the bottom line is when we get there, we're going to evaluate the situation too. Mm -hmm. We want to help the kids. If we go to a party and we have to contact all the parents, may, and maybe that's all that comes of it because we get it, we get it at, a, uh, you know, at the lowest level where we can call all the parents, they can come get their kids because sometimes parents can handle it better than the court system can. But if we ignore that party and that sure. child goes out and gets into a crash, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, similarly, Paul, a question for you. I know we talk about social host laws as it relates to the provide the parents providing alcohol. Um, and let's say, you know, in that situation, Bill's team shows up and they get busted for that. But then can you also talk about from a legal perspective, how that magnif um, exponentially grows as soon as somebody gets behind the wheel? And what that potentially means after that, right? Not just being um, in the house. Absolutely. And just to circle back before I answer that, because I don't, I don't think I really hit on it when I was speaking earlier. But you know, prevention is one thing, right? Prevention is key, uh, as as Bill has stated as well. But now in Connecticut, you also have an affirmative duty if you uh, discover that there's there's possession, right? So effectively, uh, if there is possession of alcohol by minors and you either own or control the premises, now you have an affirmative duty to make reasonable efforts to halt that possession, right? So it's not just a matter of facilitating it. It's if, if you're there now and, and you're aware, you have an affirmative duty. But beyond that, um, absolutely, you start to talk about, you know, what, what sort of potential liability lies out there, right? So you served alcohol, uh, to a minor or, or a person in your home and now they get behind the wheel and, and they're involved in that fatality like the one that Bill just referenced, um, you're absolutely exposed. And when you look at that, you can say, well, all right, do I have homeowner's insurance that might protect me or, or something else? And a lot of times, even these homeowner's insurance policies uh, have exclusions you know, for social host liability. So uh, your policy language is gonna control that. Um, but beyond the, the criminal implications, uh, the ability to be wiped out financially uh, due to civil litigation uh, is massive uh, in a situation like this. Yeah, I think uh, tort's probably not something people want to hear about. Uh, <laughs> uh, tort reform and tort laws are definitely not a conversation we need to have on this on this particular platform. I, so I, that's, I think for me, it's really interesting because I feel like a lot of people, us and us as well, because we grew up, I mean, everybody grew up in this sort of same situation where parents very much felt, if I take the keys, I lock the doors, everything's okay, right? As long as everybody wakes up tomorrow and then they make their way home after time or a shower or whatever all these people were taught, um, however we got this information, they thought it was fine. And I think inevitably we just need to continue to, harp on the message that that is no longer the case. And no matter what we thought used to be okay, where, yeah, we took the keys or everybody's staying the night or whatever, whatever, as soon as people start drinking in your house that are underage, you are breaking the law and that's- Right. Yeah, and I think you really have to balance, you know, like anything else in life, Shash, like what's the risk and reward here, right? So when you think of what the risk is now, both from a, a criminal standpoint or a civil liability standpoint, it's huge. And, and what is that reward, okay, of, of just insisting on we have to do it this way versus that risk? I mean, to me, the scales are, are far from balanced these days and it's simply not worth it as a parent to, to think that you can cover all your bases and be safe in that scenario that you just laid out. It's just simply not worth the risk. 
Perfect. So I think one of the, the final questions is how do you how do you start this conversation? So as a parent, when you're, you know, having these conversations about graduation or about all night grad party or about prom, what do we do now that as a parent, I'm educated and I know that serving it in my home is not going to happen, right? I, the, the risk outweighs the reward. So now how do we start the conversation? What are some ways that you can talk to your teen about, about this and about your expectations? Well, I, I think we all know our kids, so put them in a comfortable environment at your house and and just start it being very direct, saying, look, I know it's prom season and I know um, it's graduation. And, you know, unfortunately, even like my son, he's had some friends that have passed away. So um, he actually has personal experience um, and say, hey, I, I want to talk about this because I want you to have fun, but I want you to understand that here are the pitfalls. Be careful. Don't, you know, don't take a drink from a friend if you don't know what's in it. And I, and, and if you just kind of hit it that way, head on and, and let them know, say, look, you know, I'm here for you. Um, whatever happens, I need to get you home safely and we can address anything else, um, you know, that comes forward. And, and even I struggled with that because even with my, my oldest son, it was more like, you know, you did something wrong. I'm a police officer. You violated the law. And, and I got to realize that they're kids too. Um, but we have to be able to talk to them. And you have to be able to explain, hey, you may see mom and dad with a beer in their hand, but we're older, we understand, we don't, we make sure these certain things don't happen. Um, but I would say just have a comfortable talk, but don't shy away from it. Because the right. kids are smarter than we give them credit for. Um, they're banking on the fact that mom and dad are too uncomfortable to bring the stuff up. But they're, they're, they're very, the, the kids today are, are well ahead of the curve than we were when we were, we were their age. Um, and I think if you do it in a positive manner, and, and allow for their feedback and tell them, what do you think? What, you know, how are you feeling? Or, you know, what, what safeguards do you have in place for, for graduation and prom? Who knows? They may, they may surprise you. They may have all these, they may have a phone tree or whatever. And then if they don't have anything, say, Hey, do you ever think about doing this, doing that, or be one of the parents to say, Hey, look, do your friends have someplace to go after, after prom? If the answer is no, open up your house yeah. and, and you'd be able to control it. Um, I would rather have, you know, 50 kids at my house than, hanging out at the beach, getting in trouble. So, you know, that, that would be my, you know, my kind of my, uh, you know, feelings on how to start the conversation. Yeah, I think that that's such great advice and definitely preparing parents for this part of their, you know, child's experience, right? This is kind of the end of, and sending them off to adulthood and, and as much as we can keep them safe during these, um, these times I think is, is the best way. And having that communication with your child is just super important. And thank you so much for giving tips on how to start the conversation and for educating us. Do either of you have any, um, any final thoughts that you want to share on either social host laws or how important this, this prevention mention, mention is? Well, I, I would just want to reiterate, I, I think that it's very easy uh, for your, your typical parent out there, uh, just not to, to realize, and, I, and I'm really going to take this more from a, a legal standpoint, and I think Bill's been doing a great job of looking at, looking at it from a, a practical and, and a, uh, a judicial standpoint, but I, I think, you know, it's easy uh, for myself as an example, right? I'm an attorney. If I wasn't an attorney looking at things of this nature, would I understand, you know, what the legal ramifications were out there today? 
Probably not. Maybe to some degree, but probably not fully. So I think, you know, it's very easy to not really understand, you know, just what these implications are. Uh, but as you get information like this, I think it's important uh, to take it to heart because you don't ever want to be uh, the person on the receiving end of that misdemeanor charge, of that felony charge. And, um, you know, when you really start to think about much like the, the fatality and, and, and the fallout uh, that, that Bill referenced, um, when you really start to think about the fallout in these situations, right? And, and above and beyond a misdemeanor or, or a felony, how that impacts you as a parent or, or you as a provider, right? Or you, your ability to take care of your family in a, in a global sense, if you will. Um, you know, so I, I just think it's, it's, it's very important to educate yourself. And uh, I think above and beyond that, uh, it's, it's really important to do your best to set the right example to model the right behaviors and uh, and to be consistent with it um, and, and and ultimately um, there there are great resources out there you know whether it's organizations like step I, you know we're fortunate in Southington to have you know such a, a an involved uh, and, and and you know just accessible uh, police force I mean we're, we're we're really lucky in this town where there are great resources out there um, you just have to you know look for it and and, and want to be educated in this regard. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would echo what Paul said. And I also would add a couple other things. Um, if there are parents out there that are struggling with having a conversation, um, they could call the station. They could call myself, Officer Laporte, who's our crime prevention officer, or the general number. You know, we pride ourselves on being a full service department. We'll sit down with a child and talk to them. This is what, you know, we, yes, we enforce the law, but we also are there to help kids. Um, and then a couple plugs for a couple things that we have from the STEPS perspective. Um, we do have liquor stickers, uh, which are a, um, they're kind of like a piece of tape that you can wrap around your liquor bottles. And if somebody opens it, you would see that the, um, the seal has been broken and that would be a way for you to make sure that uh, no one's getting inside your liquor. And then the other thing I'm talking about conversations, we, we created a thing called conversation cards. What they are is they're a deck of cards and they have discussion, they have discussion questions that parents can have with their kids. So you sit around the table and you flip a card over and one might be, you know, uh, what do you feel about marijuana? And then everybody at the table would discuss that subject. Um, we have those, if, if anyone is interested, uh, I think conceptually those are really great because if you make it a game and it's fun, you can start talking about things. So, um, and I just appreciate having this venue to hopefully reach some people to understand that, that you know, our kids are our best use, our best resource. They're the future. We have to guard them. Uh, so, and if there's anything else we can do just to reach out to us, thank you. That's great. Can I just say, Bill, a whole lot of my friends would have gotten in a lot of trouble if liquor stickers were around when we were in school. Can I just say that? <laughs> uh, not me, clearly not me, which I'm not worried about, but all, a whole lot of my friends who listen to this podcast and they know who they are. So, and you, fun fact about, sure a lot of people got, would have gotten in trouble with liquor stickers. Fun fact about the liquor stickers. Those were created by our youth council um, in, in steps and tremendous. they have a patent and you can get them on our steps website, I believe. And um, it's just it. amazing. So a really great um, outcome of our youth council. Yeah, that's tremendous. Um, tremendous. Well, as we transition then into our next segment, Paul and Bill, thank you both very much for your time um, on this episode and very much appreciate 
the expertise that you both have brought to the topic. And I know for sure a lot of people have uh, taken a lot away from this conversation. So hopefully if we can prevent even one person from getting into trouble, uh, not just this um, spring season, but any future spring season, it'll have been um, well worth our time. So thank you both very much. Thank you, my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, as we transition then into our next segment, which is our MBA moments of the week, um, I will go first. My moment of the week is sort of um, an interesting thought that I had just today. I was listening to um, somebody I've said on previous episodes that the organization that I'm a part of is going through a lot of change. Um, as we acquired a new company and had, you know, some, some layoffs and now we've got new people coming on board. And one of the things that somebody had said today about change was that you should, if you're having a hard time dealing with to take a mental sort of health day off of work, mm. um, just to like reset, not go anywhere, do anything, but just take a mental health day. And sort of, my I can mo- already see this is spelling disaster for you. You yeah, don't do well good. with and sitting which, still. So. Which for me, which for me, and that, that's where that sort of maturity, I, the idea of being an adult sort of kicked in to say, is this a thing that I would actually do? How would it actually help me? But just the concept of that and thinking about it got me to say, like, I, I don't fully appreciate mental health still enough to understand mm-hmm. the benefit of what a mental health day would look like for yeah, me. Yeah. You know, given all this, well, it might, it might look different for you. I think it looks different for everyone, right? For it sure. might look different for you. For and sure. it, definitely, it definitely isn't me sitting around watching TV all day. I would have to like <laughs> do stuff, right. Yeah. Uh, other than work. But even though we've talked about mental health so much on this podcast over the course of the last uh, now almost, you know, um, uh, f- four plus seasons, it still struck me that like, I'm still getting there. Like, where am I, I with it? What would I need to do for myself? Do I just keep fighting it and plugging along because, hey, work? Or would a day off actually benefit me? Right. And, right. Thinking about that um, was very interesting. And so I think right. a lot of people like me who are type A, work really hard, sleep when you're dead type people who don't fully appreciate this idea of mental health days, and especially when you're going through big changes like I am right now, would that help me? And so I really yeah. need to like understand whether or not it would and if that's a good use of PTO. So. Yeah. And hey, mental health is a practice. You're never going to perfect it, but yeah. you got to kind of pay attention to yourself and how, how you're going to kind of work through all of those things. But for sure, I'm sure you'll figure it out. I hope so. <laughs> uh, my MBA moment of the week was Man, I talked to a salesperson this week uh, and it was an industry salesperson trying to sell me something about customer experience and boy, they were trying to strong arm me so badly and I was just not having it. So I had to, um, you know, kind of say like, hey, this is not going to work out and let's part ways because I'm not, I'm not feeling that this is going to be a good relationship. And, um, and surprisingly, the conversation just turned right around. <laughs> so I feel like, hey, if you're out there and somebody's trying to strong arm you to do something, just follow your gut, do, what you, you. do, do what you want. You had, you had to be, you had to be assertive. I did. I had to be assertive. (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, that's great. Um, Hopefully that person won't call back. No. Yeah. Uh, Don't call me again, please. (laughs) Well, as we wrap uh, our episodes, as we always do with some quotes related to 
the um, episode, trying to drive some positivity. I will go first. Um, and based on the topic that we talked about today, I think one of the main themes uh, is responsibility, right? What we're really talking about is parents taking responsibility. So my quote by Sadhguru says, every privilege comes with a responsibility. If you don't take the responsibility, you will lose the privilege. And I think a lot of what Paul said and a lot of what Bill said underline that exact sort of mentality. You as a parent, as a homeowner, as somebody who has the responsibility for this child or these children, yes, even at 18, we hated the idea of being treated like kids or 17, 16, however old you are when you're going to proms and graduating. The parents have that responsibility or the guardians or the uncles and aunts, whoever it is, older siblings, whoever is taking responsibility for those individuals, you have that responsibility and it's a privilege to have that responsibility. So make sure that you follow up with that. And because if you don't take that responsibility, you will lose that privilege, meaning a whole host of things that Paul uh, laid out, right? Um, I think it's really evident that people understand, you know, DUIs, DWIs, fatal crashes. But I will also say what we've heard on this podcast a lot in previous episodes, alcohol leads to a lot of things other than that, that are not just DWIs, there are quote unquote bad decisions that are made or things that happen that you can't take back. You do not, and I will just say this blanketly because I've been in these situations as a person in the house, you do not wanna be the person who owns the house that allowed alcohol at the party that then knows that XYZ events happen because of that. You just just don't want that to happen. So if you have that privilege, take the responsibility, don't screw up. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> okay. No pressure. I wanted um, to have kids, right? You, you knew yeah, all this stuff was coming. That's true. That's true. Um, so mine is more of a prevention quote. So true prevention is not waiting for bad things to happen. It's preventing them from happening in the first place by Don McPherson. And I believe that we heard that today. We There are ways that we can get in front of this and really educate our teens and fellow parents and friends about these rep about these social host laws and all, all the things that come along with it. And I believe that um, we're, we're doing that and we're doing our part in preventing um, something from bad things from happening. So. Yep, there it is. Well, as always, on behalf of the entire STEPS organization that wasn't able to be represented here today, but was well represented by Paul Bedard and Bill Palmeri on behalf of my wonderful, lovely, and talented co-host, Gina Sasso. This was Shashwak Baxi for MBA Mature by Accident. As always, ladies and gentlemen, we out.